Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to the very first podcast of Doing It With Purpose podcast. I am one of your hosts and the CEO of Doing It With Purpose podcast, LLC. To my left, I have the executive producer, Ms. Devonna Jeanette Summers, and my co-host, co-host of the Doing It With Purpose podcast, Mr. Greg Peterson, a.k.a. Deke. Uh, and so, yeah, today we wanted to come to you all with an opening episode I'm actually going to be interviewed myself instead of doing any interviewing today. So I turn it over to my co-host, Greg Peterson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to start out by saying um, just welcome to the podcast. We would love for you to like, subscribe, join in. Any questions uh, you have, hey, send them in. Uh, we doing it. Doing It With Purpose podcast is all about doing everything that you do with passion. So if you're doing it with passion, you're doing it with a purpose. And um, we just want to get started with a just giving you a background on how the podcast got started, where we're looking to go, what we're looking to do. And we're going to go back with the host to let him tell us about him and the uh executive producer about how everything got started and came to fruition. Hey, so at this point, you want to start us out or you want me to start out? Yeah, you okay. definitely can start out. <laughs> I'll start out. So She's trying to act shy, but she good. She's oh, yeah, she she going to come through she for good. us. So I got the idea of doing the podcast from the twins, a.k.a. Big Boy and Little Bit. Shout out to Navy Black Podcast. I want to thank them for having me on a few years ago, but um, those young men inspired me to tap into my own self and look at what I could bring to the table. Everybody nowadays is doing some form of social media or, cre or creating digital content. And so uh, for me, one of the worst or best things that I could do is ever tell my wife that I have an idea, right? And so I mentioned to her one day, I was like, but I think I want to do a podcast. I went on the podcast with the twins and I had a blast. I really enjoyed myself, um, just the way that I saw things flow and all that. But I was intimidated by all the mechanical stuff. I'm a technological type of person, but I was just like, man, can I put all that together? And so um, she started asking me, what do you need? I was like, man, I don't know. I have no idea. So she texted me one day and was like, look, this dude finna call you from Sweetwater, and he, he needs to know what you need. You know, what are you trying to do with the podcast? And so uh, he called. I spoke with him and told him what I was trying to do. And before I know it, a big package just started coming in the mail. I'm looking at like, what's all this stuff? And she was like, look, this is, you said you want to do a podcast. I stand behind you. I believe in you. And so um, that's been probably a little about over a year ago when she uh, brought everything in. And I was just nervous about doing it, but um, we're here. We're here. Yeah. Um, but in starting out, talking about how we got here, outside of her pushing me and all that kind of stuff. Um, because of who I am, um, I ain't little Bill on the little old cartoon show, but I like to call Close. myself <laughs> Honest Bill. But um, I want to talk briefly about how we actually got here. Um, I served about mm, roughly 12 to 14 years, honorably, in the military before um, leaving the military in what some would consider a dishonorable way. Right. So quick question. So what inspired you to go into the military? What was your thoughts on 
just going into the military, living the military <laughs> life, whatever. Hey, you taking it way back. I'm just just asking the question. They probably oh, yeah. somebody probably want to know that. They want to know that. So yeah. I was always a, a bookworm in school. Uh, I made good grades, but I made bad decisions. Let's just say that we all um, have. And so um, I I had I had a mandate for me to go into the military. Um, I was going to go into the Navy initially, um, but what ended up happening is. Um, they talked about all this water and swimming. And although I had been in pools and lakes and all that kind of stuff, when they told me certain things about water, I was like, nah, I'm going to deviate from that. So uh, actually, Jeffrey Cannon uh, came to see me one day. I had gotten in some trouble in high school um, where a senior prank was done. We'll talk about that one day when we talk about senior pranks. Maybe we can go all the way back to the 80s when you graduated. But uh, the senior prank got me in a lot of trouble, right? And so... Uh, the magistrate judge told me, look, you go into the military, bring your paperwork up here, show me that you have joined the military, and um, we'll help you out a little bit, so to speak. And so that's what I did. So I, I left in September of 1999. My girlfriend at the time took me to the hotel. My mom and her dropped me off, and uh, I, I joined Uncle Sam's army. You cried? I cried. Okay, then. I just wanted to I cried. I, I cried. Did, I, cried. I, I cried. But she but cried, too. We, yeah. were, we were all in tears that yeah. day because, <laughs> man, listen, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know what I would be faced with. But um, I overcame. I made it. I, I, I've been through the struggle. Yeah. But, so. but my next question was, you mentioned about the Navy and swimming and water and all that. So it's safe to say... You was never thrown in Adams Pond? Nah. Okay then. I wasn't old I, I wasn't old enough for oh, Okay, Adams all right, all right. That's yeah. that's another story for another episode. Okay, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we listen, yeah, we, we get ready to dig deep. Yeah, we go ahead. Through future episodes, we finna dig deep through the town, through the country. Cause see, yeah. you got Baseburg, you got Leesville who called himself Air Block back in the days, but then you also have Sand Hill. We got a town and a city and a government of our own down there. So we gotta talk about all those things. But um but yeah, so I joined the military, um, advanced quickly in the military. I was getting promoted like crazy. Um, I, I went to Fort Campbell. Um, where, let's back up. I went to basic training at uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Did my AIT at Shepherd Air Force Base. I was part of one of the first environments, so to speak, where the Army, Air Force, and the Navy came together to do their training for enlisted members. So I went to Shepherd Air Force Base where it was previously down at um, Fort Sam Houston. It's moved back there now, but still in the tri-service environment. But I went there, I was a dental specialist, i.e. dental technician, dental hygienist, whatever you want to call it. But I, I did with dentistry, uh, or dealt with dentistry. And then from there, I went to my first duty station at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, in the meantime, not to exclude my wife, let's bring her into the picture. I was about to bring her in. All of this time frame now, we're dating. Yeah. And so, one of the biggest mistakes I first started out making was um, when I was in what they call AIT, Advanced Individual Training, hey, I was figuring out life, right? And so you get down there, uh, you take pictures and all these kind of different things. So I took pictures with other soldiers that were of the opposite sex, female, and um, I thought it was cool to keep the pictures. So I came home excited about graduating, mm. get ready to go to my first duty station, and I showed my brother-in-law the pictures. Right, he leave the pictures out at his house. So he snitched on you. Oh, he didn't snitch on me, but he left the pictures out. 
So Devonda finds the pictures, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and she takes them and makes a collage and writes on the top of it, AIT. She writes, AIT was the place to be, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, so. yeah. she done cut all these pictures out yeah, and sent it to me. So. Like, dude, what, like, so I'm like, okay. So we have a conversation, but we never really officially break yeah. up and say, hey, you're going to go this way, I'm going to yeah. go that way. The only commitment that she asked of me was, hey, don't have no kids. Yeah. Don't have any kids. Well, let me and stop so, you right um, there for a second. So I want to bring the co-host, the real MVP, into the conversation. So with everything that was going on, uh, Miss Summers, uh, your boyfriend then going into the going into the army, uh, leaving home, a pretty much a changing a everything. So, what was your thoughts? Uh, how did you feel about all this? Well, at first I was in the dark, so yeah. I didn't know that it was trouble that he had got in trouble. I had no clue that the army he had to go in, yeah. um, because I was like. That's stupid when he got a full ride at USC or he got a full ride to all these uh, schools. Like, why are you going into the military? It doesn't make sense. Um, But, hey, that's something that he wanted to do. So Had to do. Had to do. (laughs) So we just went, kind of went with it. And not that it was uh, just say necessarily a bad decision. Like we say, hey, it was God's decision. God made that decision for you. Sometimes, hey, God make decisions for us when we don't we don't make our own decisions or make the right decision. Hey, God will make a decision for you, and you have to hey, follow through with what God a hey, has you to do or whatever. Yeah. So, and sitting back looking at it now, just me personally, and I can't really speak for you, but the accolades that I see you receiving now, whatever, it wasn't necessarily a bad decision. Nah, it 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 yeah. wasn't. It actually. So, I didn't grow up with this silver spoon in my mouth, but I was spoiled. You know, okay. I'm a gene spoiled man. My mom. I was about she, to say you had she, a silver spoon in she, your she mouth. She spoiled me. You know, I was yeah. I was the baby for 13 years yeah. until my sister came along. But even then, I had older cousins, bigger brothers like yourself. Y'all y'all made my life simple and easy, and but you all still taught me the ropes. So so it was our fault. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, my life in shambles. <laughs> I figured that was it's coming, in shambles man. because of you all. I figured that was coming. Um, man. But so from there. Um, I went on to my, f- my first duty station at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And like I said, we never really uh, broke up, right? But the phone calls stopped. We weren't really texting like that back then. But the phone calls stopped. What little bit of email traffic we had amongst each other, that kind of stopped. And so it was like, wow. So for about two years, there was probably some silence almost. Um, and so one day, uh, I, I met this female, um, and, uh, I met her at the dental clinic, um, and we started talking and because I hadn't heard from Devonda, I would come home, um, sometimes on the weekends and I would go to Black Bikers Week at the beach. And I'll never forget, I came home one time and Devonda was looking forward to spending time with me and, uh, she gave me an ultimatum. She said, listen, if you go down to that beach this year, hey, we done. Did so, I go to the beach? Nah, you, okay, you didn't go to the beach that year. Um, I said, if I go to the beach, we're done. I was like, but I, I had brought like three homeboys from, you know, from Fort Campbell with me, and I'm, I'm promising to show them, you know, what Black Bikers Week is all about. So I told her, I was like, look, you know, okay, um, if we're done, then 
I woke up the next morning at Myrtle Beach. But so you dropped my homegirl like a hot potato? No, I didn't drop her, but I just didn't like the ultimatum at the time. She that said, I was yes, giving. go ahead, though. Um, and so um, from there, I think that's when the separation started because it's like I chose to go to the beach. Um, but I had promised these guys and all this kind of thing. And I, I, I'm not making an excuse, but I was young at the time. And I thought, like, hey, she had been, <clears throat> you know, been by my side all these years, so she ain't going nowhere. But then that's when it kind of got quiet. But long story short, I, I ended up meeting this female and my first daughter, Elisa Janiah Summers, was born. But mind you, this doesn't justify it, but the first person that I called when I found out that one, the girl is pregnant, and two, when my daughter was born, I called Devonda. I called, I said, listen, I got this female pregnant. Now mind you, we ain't talked in months, years almost. And I, I don't, I'm not dumb enough to assume that we were still together. I just knew that it wasn't what it used to be. Um, and she was like, okay, what you telling me for? And I was like, well... Even furthermore reason why I'm going on that side. Hey, I needed to talk to my best friend. She never stopped being my best friend. So she was like, well, cool, you know, hey. So, But mind you now, let's go back a little bit. Because, see, you, you, your homegirl, your best friend, before I went to the military, she was at South Carolina State, right? And I go down there one weekend to just surprise her hey, and check hey, on her. These her stories to tell. No, no, because you can see her paint <laughs> this picture of me being this bad guy. He ain't gonna tell but I show up at her dorm to see her yeah. and this guy asking for her. So I'm just sitting back like, okay, let me see what this what this guy finna do. I want some homework or something, Manny Von. That's right. That's what she told me. <laughs> I was tutoring him in math. She don't even like math. Yeah. She don't even like math. So well, that's, th that's neither here nor there. But she was yeah. in college. She was doing her thing. Yeah. And a uh, long story short, she had met someone and they dated for some years. Um, I was at Fort Campbell. I had had a daughter. So I, I, I originally thought that we would be done because I had a daughter. That was one of her pet peeves. Like, hey, listen, if you have a child, like we can't, we can't, you know. And so uh, fast forward the story. I was fortunate enough to reenlist in the military, come back home to Fort Jackson to be stationed. And I came home in 2002. I was stationed at Fort Jackson for about three and a half, almost four years. And during that time frame, um, I had an epiphany one day. Mind you, my daughter, I brought my daughter with me one time. And the first person I called is, hey, Devon, Devon, hey, listen, my daughter here, I want you to see her. She's like, you can't show me your, that girl, baby. No, like, I need you to see my daughter because it just didn't feel right. Like I, so I had always told one of my aunts, um, Tamara Dukes. I told her, I said, I'm going to marry Vonda one day. I'm, that's, my, that's my high school sweetheart. That's the love of my life. I'm going to marry her. And we used to joke about it, but I was serious about it. So after I um, get stationed over there, I called Devonda one day and was like, hey, how you doing? And she told me, she was like, well, I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm dating someone right now. I'm like, dating someone? We never officially broke up. I know I didn't have a child, but we never broke up. So she was like... It's so like I'm, I'm, I'm dating someone, and I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. So I was like, but I really need to see you. And so she was like, bet, you can come see me. I was like, okay, when can I come see you? She was like, um, come. She gave me a date and time. And it, I mean, when I said it was raining cats and dogs, you know that little flood we had back here in South Carolina? Yeah. Hey, it was similar to that. So mm -hmm. I drove from Lexington to Orangeburg, South Carolina. She oh, stayed she in. State? Yeah, she still at state in college. So I pull up to the apartment complex where she's living, and I'm talking about they having the party of their life. But I don't know any of these people. But I'm 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 coming to see her. So as soon as I get there, I call on the phone. Ring, 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 ring. 
She won't answer. Ring, 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 ring. She won't answer. So I know how to text a little bit at that time. I text. She won't answer. So I call her a little bit. Ring, 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 ring. Man, I sat out there for a whole hour calling her like, man, is a phone dead or whatever? So Not finally, jumping, hey, finally Not I leave. <laughs> finally I leave. Yeah. And I drove all the way back home. But I'm going to let her expound on what happened there. Because, see, I don't want to do all the talking because it made me look like I'm trying to justify my story. <laughs> but what happened during that time? Why wouldn't you answer the phone for your, for your, uh, your future husband there? <laughs> Had no idea that was going to be a future husband. But yeah, that's that was going to be that. payback. Yeah. So I was looking out the window while you were calling. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting for something like this. You've been waiting for something like this. So, hey, she wouldn't answer the phone. But, but, hey, but you, you, you talked about one of the most important people earlier. You said you see how God do things. It yeah. might be the best thing for you. Yeah. So as you fast forward in that story, that same storm came back around. And so I was living with my cousin Jamal. In Lexington at the time, and it was a bad storm that came up. It was so bad that I had to go to Sand Hill. Well, I sent Jamal to Sand Hill to pick up Emma Jean and Brittany so they could come stay at the house because the lights had went out and all this kind of stuff. But lo and behold, guess what I got to do? So I'm communicating with her at the time because, like I said, we were always cool. She was chasing me ever since we was at Rock Hill Baptist chasing. Church and saluted. Chasing me, man. Yeah. Chasing. So I drive, ran you down. I, I ran me down yeah. faster than anybody ever come through Baseburg. Yeah. So now, <laughs> not faster than Michelle Peterson, but that's neither here nor there. So hey, yeah. she uh I drive our way to Orangeburg in this bad storm because her lights went out on her car. She was having some trouble, some mechanical um electrical trouble on her car and her lights went out. So I was like, A hey, D, I'm going down here to um Orangeburg to get Vonica. You go get my mom and my sister. And so I drove down there and picked her up, and uh, it was on from there. I brought her back to the house, made my mom and sister sleep on the couch on the floor, yeah, and gave her my room. I took a shower. I slept on the couch on the floor, and uh, she stayed with me for about two days, called her parents and said, hey, she good or whatever. And um, from there, uh, I believe, so correct me, her? if I tell her anything that's not true, I need for you, I know, you know. So you sure. kidnapped her? If, no. No, you can go to jail for kidnapping. I'm just, I just nah. throwing that out though, man. Yeah, I just, I just helped her out. So okay. um, I went down to Orangeburg, picked her up, and um, once the storm was over, we got her back to Orangeburg so she can see about a car and stuff like that. But we reconnected then, and, and she just kind of opened up to me about hey, her relationship and give her her space because she was, you know, she didn't know where she was in a relationship with the young man that she was talking to at the time. And um, but I, I'm John Calipari, Rick Pitino. I put the full court press on. <laughs> Like, hey, if you don't know where you and do that, hey, I, I'm, I'm trying to get not, back with you. Not, and, um, not hitting the flow. I'm not patting the flow. The flow hey, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the stands. So uh, she ended up talking to me a little more and a little more. Then we went out. And then, lo and behold, 2004, her graduation came around. And um, we weren't a couple, but um, I was trying to do everything I could to show her that, hey, I really want to be with you. I know I had made some mistakes, um, but... Like, I feel safe and happy and in love with you, and this is what I want. So the and full so, court uh, press went to a man-to-man full court. It went to, I had six, <laughs> seven people on the court, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, like my man Smart out there, they, they jumped on the court the other week during the game. Hey, I, I, was, I was calling in all angels from heaven to yeah. make this happen. So yeah. um, I ended up. Staying in contact with her, we started dating, um, and then um, that's when she kind of told me, like, look, the gentleman that I'm talking with, he's kind of been hesitant about 
stepping up and doing what he needs to do. And so she always had told me, like, look, don't pressure me to anything. Let me figure out what's going on. And so uh, they ended up breaking up. And I was like, you don't have to get to know me. You already know me. We never really broke up. So, um, like, can we be together? So I took her out for graduation, wine and dined her. She remembered those, those events. Um, and uh, I think I ended up trying to propose. Where did y'all go? Uh, <laughs> Where did y'all go? <laughs> Applebee's. The uh, Red Roof Inn with the jacuzzi tub, man. <laughs> Wine and dine at the Red Roof Inn. The Red Roof Inn with the jacuzzi tub. Flower petals. The whole girl should have rained. Hey, I still got rain. the picture, Did and we might know. post it on the podcast. I had the picture. <laughs> With the, I had bought the knockoff Louis Vuitton bag. I had to hook up on those. Oh my hey, goodness. I went all out, man. So you done um, hood week, my homie. Man, listen. Hey, man. Hey, then tried talk, to propose dog. to her at the comedy house. You had a rain, man? Man, everything. Mm. Got clowned <laughs> by Mike Epps. I had on a polo shirt that had number 22 on it. He made a complete clown of me. A polo shirt with 22. Yeah, that was the number for polo. You know, they have 67. Oh, okay, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they have right. 22. I think I done got rid of that shirt because the yeah, man told me I had a little lead throwback shirt on. Yeah. So, um, but I was just trying to do all I could to be with her. So I proposed. At first, she was like, I don't know. Like, we got to wait. And so then comes. So uh-oh. she told you no in front of all them people? No, no. She just oh. asked me not to because. Oh. All of her family was familiar with the ex-boyfriend, and yeah. it just seemed too rushed. So I respected that. Um, but later on, uh, as she was migrating from South Carolina State, she was like, look, um, I got to leave Orangeburg. Um, I don't know what the next chapter is going to be, but if you're serious about this, I'm going to move to Columbia. And I was like, well, I'm serious about it. Um, she was like, well, I'm going to find me a job in Columbia until you know, I decide what... I'm going to do it the next chapter. Um, I know she had talked about going to Charlotte and all those areas, but she hung around Columbia for me. Well, for the sake of seeing what we could be. I can't say for me. She gave us a chance. And so um, she wound up becoming pregnant um, by me. And And voila, um, here we are. No, no, (laughs) because at first, uh, the first pregnancy, um, she lost the baby. And I was was devastated. Um, I was hurt. I was nervous because I still hadn't told her dad. Um, but then quickly after we found out why um, the child was lost, and uh, I can't say we tried again, but we did not not try either. And so uh, she became pregnant. We did the necessary steps to make sure that she would be able to retain the pregnancy. Then I had to sit down with Pops and uh, ask him, uh, was it okay if I married his daughter? Because that's what I wanted to do anyway. I didn't get her pregnant to try to marry her, but I was okay with her becoming pregnant. And so I asked her to marry me, and uh, I had to sit down and talk to her mom and dad, and they both gave me their blessings. My mother-in-law, um, God bless her, so, um, she's no longer here, but I remember going to her mom and dad's house, and uh, I had already talked to Vonda. I said, look, I got I to gotta ask your dad, can I marry you? Because like he was my deacon at the church. I had the utmost respect for him. And uh, as soon as I walk in the house, mama don't... Mom didn't make it any easy. She was like, Larry, can he just want to talk to you about something? I'm like, he's sitting in the sunroom just chilling, deep voice, old short man, like, what you want? I said, oh, shoot. I said, Pops, um, first, um, I got to let you know that Vonda's pregnant. All he mm. said was, hmm. 
I said, yeah. oh, I said, uh, way, man. I said, secondly, <laughs> um, I just wanted to uh, ask you, would you be okay if I uh, married your daughter? If I asked her for her hand in marriage? And so the first thing he said, what did Vonda say about that? I said, well, I haven't asked her yet. I wanted to ask you. He's, mm. I said, okay. He said, well, whatever she says, um, that's her decision. Um, and I'll support you all and whatever you got to do. And um, we'll be here for you all. So uh, I asked her, would she marry me? And uh, we started planning for the wedding. Um, but during that process, um, again, uh, God bless the dead. Her, her grandmother, who was helping plan out the wedding, um, she passed away. So we were initially going to get married on April 2nd to begin with. Mm-hmm. April the 2nd is um, my father-in-law's birthday. So we was going to get married on his birthday anyway. But we ended up having a private wedding on January 27th, 2005. Um, we got married, and then uh, we had the wedding on April 2nd, 2005. And um, that's history from there we had a few a few more bumps and bruises earlier on that we ain't got to elaborate on but um but we that's that's how our uh journey started um as i look back it's been the best thing that ever happened to me i haven't always treated um our marriage the best um that i should have and that's what prompts this conversation that we're having now in terms of we left um soon as i got married in 05 06, I left to go to Kuwait and Iraq, um, spent a couple months or a year and some change over there before coming back, picking the family up, going to Germany, spent four years over there. My wife would have been willing to become a German citizen like my son is. Um, she loved Germany. And uh, you want to talk in a bit about Germany and you know, no. just your experience? You <laughs> no. sure? We don't want to steal the light because we want you to be able to to share your your journey as well. Um, But again, as I share things, if I'm saying anything that's not true, please chime in. But but Germany, I feel like, hey, your German experience, I actually experienced it from afar. Just pictures and phone calls and all the above or whatever. And all actuality, I was a... You was there with me. Yeah, me personally, I look at when people say jealousy, jealousy is actually a bad thing, but a you can be jealous in a good way yeah. or whatever. That's just my personal opinion or whatever. A I was jealous and you know envy because I'm here working and you know living a good life or whatever and a a my my homeboy, my little brother, my little cousin, a he's in Germany, a Living his best life, having a or whatever. Blast. Yeah, having a blast, and he, a the number one and most important thing was, a he had his whole family over there, man. They just enjoying life, a yeah. having a good time or whatever. And I was, I was jealous and envy of that, but in a good way. I was happy for him and his family, but I'm thinking of myself, being selfish, thinking like, hey, well, man, if this dude down here saying here. He ain't never been no peanut fields or no fields or nothing like man, that. Right I, there, picked, man. I did my share. He was dying there in that plan. I, I shared my, 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 my share. We all, we all, that. you know, went through that part of it. But a hey, nah, this dude is in Germany, a hey, living his life, yeah. and it from from everything that I heard, everything that I seen, it was a great life, and and it was. But here, here, here's the the deep dark secret. Although I was in Germany, I was living my life getting promoted fast, in charge of 
millions and millions of dollars. We had the cars, we had the clothing, we even had the money. We made some money in Germany. Like, we made some money. I ain't gonna lie. We made some money in Germany. But all of that still did not cover up or put any makeup on the the wounds and damage that I had inside. Um, and so I said that to kind of open up the true testament of what was going on with me. I was man enough to uh, take care of my family and serve the military, was even willing to die for the military, but I wasn't willing to really truly live for my family. Um, okay, well, before you get into that, just the deep and and doubt part of that, uh, just me personally, I want to commend you for a being the man of men, a taking care of your family, showing your family a a different part of the world, different part of life, a doing a great things, a and I could say, well, pretty much a putting your family first because a you say you was making good money, your family, everybody was living good, everybody was doing good. Uh, I would see your kids on occasion on um, video calls, and a hey, it was, of course, you're not going to show the bad side, but you're going to see, hey, when I see okay. them, they plan, they get, they got everything they need, got everything they want. Um, you know, you're just doing everything that a father should do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You being a a father or whatever. But, hey, go ahead with hey, the no. rest of the story. So I left Germany in 2000. Is that 11? 2011, we left Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, we bought our first home in San Antonio, Texas. Texas. Yeah. And uh, not only did we buy our first home, but we did it from afar. My wife's cousin, Miss um, Benjamin, her husband was an um, Air Force officer there. and So we reached out to them. My, my mother-in-law was well connected. So she was like, look, I need to talk to this person, do this, do that. And so when we, arrived, when we landed in San Antonio, our house was already, we had the keys to it. We just had to walk into it. We had to arrive there, get there, kind of wait on the furniture and stuff to be delivered from overseas. But our house was waiting on us. So it was kind of somewhat of a smooth transition. Um, I went into a, a job. Um, it's now, it was at one point called an AIT platoon sergeant, which replaced the terminology in the AIT training environment of a drill sergeant. Um, okay. And so um, I was, I knew I was going to hit the ground running. Um, I know I had a lot of things to do. I chose that job personally um, because all my mentors in the military told me, you need to do something that's going to separate you from your peers, and you need to do something that shows that you can handle leadership and set you up for your next promotion. All right. So what's AIT? AIT is the Advanced Individual Training. Okay. Where you, after basic training, yeah. um, you go to learn your specific job you're going to do in the military. Everybody gets the basic fundamental training. And you go learn your specific skill. Um, and so um, I got there, hit the ground running. So how many years are you in? At this point, 99, 2011. I'm in about over 10 years, 10 okay, to 11 cool. years um, that I'm in the military. I'm an E7. Highest rank I could go on the list side is E9. But yeah. for our MOS, they always, you know, I'm, I was one of those guys from this small town that got a big heart. You tell us what we can't do, we're going to do it. So it was, you know, you got to wait about 12 to 14 years before you can make E7, and I made it in 10. Um, with the support of my family, my wife, you know, 
when you get promoted and you excel at anything in life, it's not because of what you do solely. It's because of the support that you do have. Um, and so um, I was making the rank. I had the leadership terminology down. I could play the part. But what I didn't have that I was afraid to admit was the maturity for the position. Um, and so. So what was your age at this time? Ooh. Hey, man. You're asking a hard question. I might have been in my 30s, 32. I was almost like so early I'm 30s. 33. Yeah, early 30s. Um, and so uh you borderline a grown man. Yeah, yeah. At least I thought. Yeah. Um yeah, exactly. and so I go to I go to work one day, um, and let's back up. I had been doing things prior to that in terms of being infidelity, right? I would talk to females, flirt with females, um, act as if I wasn't married, right? Um, a 32-year-old dude. And so, but again, like you said, my flawed thinking, you didn't say that I was flawed, but you said something like I took care of my family. Yeah. In my mind, because I was taking care yeah. of my family, yeah. I thought just because I had a license to drive, I had a license to speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was very flirtatious, um, for the spiritual people watching and then they tune in, I had a lustful spirit. It was, you know, as long as I'm doing what I got to do for my family, then if this female showed me an inclination that she would talk to me, then it wasn't wrong with flirting and all this kind of stuff. Or, so, but the what devil, happened... The devil has one job, man. But oh, go yeah. ahead. Still kill and destroy. Yeah. Um, and so in this particular incident, I, uh, I had some female trainee soldiers one night who were my responsibility directly in my platoon, but I was in charge of the battalion. So for the non-military people, I was in charge of my department as well as the rest of the department for the nighttime supervisors who may be the plant manager, but they have a specific role in one area. I had all these people that I was responsible for. So how many people is this? It's about 130 to 150 some people at okay. any given time. But okay. I was specifically responsible for about 42 of them in my direct care. Um, and so I had- Male these, and female? Male and female. So I have these uh, two soldiers. My platoon was getting ready to graduate. Um, and so when they get ready to graduate, um, all the AIT platoon sergeants or those in charge of them, you do what you call like a little smoke session. It was their last night there at San Antonio. Um, in my mind, we're gonna have this smoke session and um, I'm gonna send them on their way the next day. They're gonna graduate and we're gonna be done and wish them kumbaya. So what's where, a smoke session? That's where um, we have these things called the pit. You being a Michelin tire man, I thank you for making these, <laughs> these pits, but the pit is a 25 by 25 uh, sand covered shredded rubber tire pit where you might do push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks or whatever hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's just a hand-to-hand a, a, a -hand wrestling type area that you can utilize for the sake of training purposes and safety. They're not directly on the ground with ants and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so okay. you might take the soldiers out there, have them do push-ups, sit-ups, run, roll, or whatever the case may be. Well, I had my platoon out there before I had my last um, battalion or, sorry, company formation for the evening. And um, I smelled alcohol. So in smelling this alcohol, it's like, Who's crazy enough to come back to the formation when they're about to graduate smelling like alcohol? So I 
but they have something called open ranks where you got four rows or four columns and you just open the ranks up and you walk along and you've seen it probably on Goma Pile or some military yeah. movie and they got the weapons out there, but they didn't have any weapons. But once I smelt where the vicinity of the alcohol was coming from, I said, hey, I need you two soldiers go up to my office so I can talk to you all. Um, one of the female soldiers was an honor grad, meaning she had the highest um, PT score in the, in the platoon. She had the highest grades in the platoon and all of that. So I had them go up to my office and, um, and having them go up to my office, I just sit there and I ask them, I say, What's, what were you all thinking? Like you smell like alcohol, you reek of alcohol. I think one of them even was throwing up from doing all the jumping jacks and all that kind of stuff. And um, what are you thinking? And so from there, they look at each other. Um, they start laughing and giggling. And in the midst of them laughing and giggling, in about three seconds, my life changed and it would never be the same again. Um, and I say that because these two females started making out, um, kissing, touching each other, groping each other. Um, as I stood there and ah, um, I didn't say, hey, soldiers, you all need to stop that. You can't do that or whatever the case may be. And that's what you should have said. That's right? what I should have said. Okay. I should have said. I should have stopped them. Yeah. We always have what they call a CQ, um, uh, someone of higher military rank, equal to mm -hmm. my rank or maybe one rank lower. Um, but they're always on duty, and they're down in the day room, and they stay there overnight. My job was to get everyone to bed then leave. I come into work late the next day because I stayed late that night as a duty platoon sergeant. But um, I didn't stop him. I didn't go get any help. I didn't ask for any help. I just stood there or sat there mesmerized by what was going on. Um, and as they started lifting each other's shirt up and moving towards me, um, I still was stuck. Didn't say anything. Didn't tell them to stop. And before I know it, my parents were unbuttoned and unbuckled, and they performed oral sex on me. Um, in the midst of that happening, I stopped and said, hey, this shouldn't be going on. This is wrong. Please stop. Um, you need to go to the, in, in our uh, offices, it was four of us, four cadre members at that particular time, or maybe five of us in charge of that whole platoon, and they had different MOSs or military occupational specialties different jobs, and I was in charge of my own MOS, which was the dental field. Mm -hmm. So, I, But in between our offices was the toilet paper, the cleaning supplies, and things that you need to clean your bags. So I said, you know, I'll need to grab some um, cleaning supplies or whatever, and you need to go back to your rooms. And if anybody finds out about this, man, we could really get in a lot of trouble. This should have never happened. Um, All right, so I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Yeah. So just hearing this story, I'm thinking of, Monique, uh, the comedian, the actor, being, um, she did a show in prison. I forget exactly what year it was, some years ago or whatever, uh, comic show. And she says to everyone that was, she was at a ladies, a women's prison, everyone, all the women that was at this prison, she says to them, um, to, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the exact words. It was just it just came to me, or whatever. But a hey, she telling all the women in the prison, don't beat yourself up. A hey, don't feel too bad because a hey, everyone in the world is pretty much three seconds away from being where you are at right now. Yeah. Me personally, a hey, she was saying her personally is three seconds away. So it 
a three seconds of making the wrong decision, making a a bad thought, uh, just a a bad decision, and you could be in this same boat or whatever. And with that being said, a you mentioned two or three times a the thought pretty much came to your mind to say, hey, well, hey, man, nah, ain't nothing right about this. Hey, I shouldn't be doing this. Everything about this is wrong or whatever. But, hey, man, the devil, hey, is, he's not, he's as powerful as God let him be. Oh, yeah. God, hey, you know, I, hey, one of my sayings, I say it to you all the time, hey, hey God, God busy. busy. You yeah. know, we got a lot of stuff going on or whatever, but, hey, he's never too busy to, you know, stand in the gap. Okay. For whoever and whichever. And the thing is, hey, like I stated earlier, hey, it was God's decision pretty much, hey, for you to go into the army. Hey, and God let the decision go on so, hey, he can make a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better man, a better human being out of you. And, hey, it is what it is. But, hey, go ahead and finish the story. So, I just want uh, to throw that in there. Yeah. I, yeah. Is it anything you ready to chime in yet, or just keep going? Okay, yeah. And so, um, and and I'm very sensitive to this, and um, I I think I want to thank thank my wife wholeheartedly for us to be able to even talk about it because there was a period of time where we wouldn't be able to have this conversation, um, not without me having some bullet holes or stab wounds in me, you know. And I'm not proud. I'm not proud of what I'm sharing, but I am proud of where we've come from it, you know. So. Um, back let to me, the- let me let me stop you right there again. With you saying that, uh, you know, you want to thank the the CEO and like I mentioned before, the real MVP for you know uh, being the woman that she is. A pretty much a like I said a the real MVP of the the whole relationship or whatever. Because a if you think about it. But what he just mentioned, the story he just told, and the story's not finished, it's probably about Miller ways in the story, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I'm I'm only saying this because I have said it to him. A hey, man, when when he came home, I was like, man, a hey, you lucky to have a wife, man. Yeah. You lucky to be married because a hey, black woman, lovely, fine, a. Hey, could have anybody she want to have, could have want to have. She chose him. I don't know why, but hey, that's neither here hey, nor there. Hey, 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 but hey, no, hey. seriously though. But hey, hey, I'm gonna tell you why. She, a, hey, I'm gonna tell you she's, why she chose she's the story. a the real MVP of yeah. this whole story, the podcast, everything. Hey, she's a uh, ah man. She's a one of a kind. Man. Yeah, one of a kind. Um, a go getter. I tell hey, her all the time, and because it's coming sometimes from me, too ambitious. But go ahead. It's it's sometimes when I tell her because it's coming from me. I know she finds it hard to believe, but um, it. My prayer is that God will show her, and she will see herself the way that I see her at some point. But that's we'll get there. Yeah. Um, but so these females leave. Yeah. They go to their rooms. I can tell you the day it was November twenty third, two thousand eleven. The day that my life would never be the same. What time was? Uh, it was around nine thirty time frame. PM. Yeah, I go home, um, almost act as if nothing happened. My wife, I had covered up so much stuff 
throughout our marriage and my and in my military experience that she didn't pick up on anything. But she's been the woman. She's been the wonderful wife, man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so she she's not even. But she's a spiritual minded person. Um, not only she's spiritual minded, she stays in her prayer closet. She's always covering down for the kids and I. So I was good at covering things up, and the enemy helped me cover it up. Um, so as we move forward, it wasn't until February uh, 2012 that um, I got this phone call from my first sergeant. I remember I was at home with CJ. He was in daycare at the time or whatever. But I must have been off that day because when you have weekend duty, you get the next day or two days off or whatever. But I remember being at home, and uh, my first sergeant saying, hey, I need you to come to the company need you to um, come in uniform. And I hadn't shaved in a few days because I was off, and I was like, come to the company. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, normally when something like that has happened, a soldier's passed away, they missing a crucial item like a weapon or something. Like, so what is this? So I, hey, I quickly dry shave or whatever, and I get dressed and I go in, and they call me in, and then they just let me know that, hey, we're going to be taking your badge. I had a specific badge identifying me as this uh, role that I was in. And they said, oh, we're going to take you off the off the trail because um, you're under investigation. And I was like, under investigation, okay. Um, you know how long, what's this about? And it was like, well, you'll get further guidance. Just come in tomorrow at X, Y, and Z time, and we'll go from there. So I go in the next day. I don't think I mentioned anything to Devonda yet because I wasn't for sure what was going on. And I was so, about to ask, so did you, did you have any idea of what I, this was about? What honestly, was- I didn't because, one, like I said, I was in denial that I was dealing with this lust, number one. Number two, um, it had totally slipped my mind of what had of occurred. That happened in November. We're now in February. We didn't went through what they call exodus. So imagine this past holiday, um, trainees and soldiers, they're going home for Christmas, holidays, whatever. They come back. These soldiers have graduated and left by now. So I have... So it could have been any. It could have been anything. I'm like, what's yeah. going on? So... Um, the very next day, um, I show up to work, and normally, no different than my wife and I today, we communicate throughout the day or whatever. But this particular day, they, I, I came in, and they said, hey, we need you to go down to CID. And um, I said, CID? So CID is Criminal Investigation Division okay. for the military. Okay. They're, they're like, what you see on First 48, they, yeah. they, 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 those, those are the guys at okay. CID. They don't wear military uniforms. They dress in civilian clothes. You don't know they rank. You don't know them until you have to know them. So I go down there, and um, I get there. They pat me down or whatever. They fingerprint me and all this kind of stuff, and they sit me in this cold room, a room smaller than the room that we're in now, this box room. They bring me a bottle of water, and then this guy starts talking to me like, like he knew me from somewhere. Like we're just talking, and then he just jumps into a hard question. So what happened on such and such a date? They done this, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, and I'm trying to play dumbfounded about the situation that he's referring to. And now it's, jig, it's, it's jarred back in my memory like, okay, cool. This guy knows something about what happened. Okay. So I'm listening to him and he was like, okay, just like on first four day, hey, I'll be right back. They stay gone for 20 minutes. It's like they almost go to the AC and cut the, the, <laughs> the heat down or the AC up and you freezing in there. You're like, man, I'm ready to go. And so I know Vonda's calling me. Like, I had got down there around about 9 o'clock. And when I tell you 4 o'clock, I'm still there. I didn't leave there until about 6 o'clock that afternoon. So, finally, the guy was like, so what is this? What is that? And I, I said, listen, 
Um, this is what happened. Um, female soldiers came in there. I admitted the things. And so they released me. But because I had admitted these things and it was all, you know, pretty much, not pretty much, it's all illegal, um, they released me back to my unit. Um, they took me back to the unit was like, hey, the next day um, you need to report this place. And so they started moving me around to different jobs. I still haven't said anything to Devonda yet. I just told her, like, I had to go down there, be interviewed by CID. Um, matter of fact, it was Valentine's Day um, because our house that we lived in, we had this office space. And so when I got home, I went up to the office space and sat down and explained to her on Valentine's Day, like, we ain't going to eat no Red Lobster. This is what's been going on, and um, I don't know what's going on. This is what they accused me of. I hadn't admitted to her. I had did anything yet. And then I finally met with what they call a trial defense lawyer, which is a, um, a trial defense lawyer in the military is equivalent to a public defender. Okay, that's, and I was going to ask that earlier about, so when you was in this room mm -hmm. and they was coming in with questions. Uh, I did not think to say, hey, I need to talk to yeah, a lawyer. that's what I was going to Because ask at the so time. They didn't, they didn't offer a lawyer or anything, any uh, like assistance? I or? think they may have asked me, like, do you want an attorney? I'm like, no, I don't have nothing to hide because, okay. you know, you play poker. I'll be honest with you. I thought I was going to bluff my way out of this situation. <laughs> um, but that's, that's yeah. not the case. So yeah. um, I go home, and I forgot exactly what period of time when I did finally admit to her what was going on. And, um, man, she just – and, again, I didn't tell the whole truth. I told what I felt like she could handle. And um, she broke down. She so she was like, "What like what is this going to do?" Hey, I don't know, man. Hey, so I, I got a, I got another question. Yeah. So, with everything that you're saying now, and it just a hey, came to me because a, hey, uh, I didn't actually go through the first part of this, the whole story or whatever, but bits and pieces mm -hmm. I was a part of. So, do you recall me telling you to tell her? Yeah. Okay, I just yeah. I, I just yeah. recall that or whatever. Yeah. But hey. I think you and Jermaine, and I think maybe even you, Jamal might have told me. But hey, homeboy, y'all wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I, I was understand in San Antonio, that they would, and, and I understand were, the fact that, you know, that, that it would be a just hard to sit down and say or whatever. But hey, I was, I yeah. kind of felt like I was pretty adamant about hey, you yeah. saying hey man, hey look, hey homeboy, homeboy. hey you got to tell this man, you, got you can't, to. hey you can't hold this right here, yeah. especially with everything that's going on. Everything that's a about to go on, cause a, I didn't foresee what happened happening, but a, I was just like, hey man, you, hey, you got to tell it. Yeah. But go ahead. So, from there we uh, we sit down and we talk, and I just, man, it was rough. I, you know, one, you know, at that point in time, I did not know what my military career, how it would end what would be the turnout, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I saw the pain in her face. And so, from day one, from day one, she told me, I'm hurt, you've been lying to me, you never told me the truth, I don't know if I wanna be with you, but she followed it up with this statement and I'll never forget. She said, but I won't leave you while you're in the midst of it. The real MVP. I will see you through to the end. Hall of Fame. However it turned out, I will see you through to the end. I'm not that type of person to turn my back on anyone. So that's MJ? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No okay. Kobe, no God bless his soul, no LeBron, Kobe no Giannis, right, no Donkic, no Joker, 
none of that. Yeah. So she um she did just that, as you can see. And so we went from February to December, which was my court date. But mind you, this whole time, I was making preparations. As, the, as I would get bits and pieces of the information, I was making preparation for the unknown. So I cashed in my 401k, which is the military, they call it TSP. I cashed that in, pulled the money out. I, I had a Volvo S40 at the time. That was my, man, that was my car. I love that car. But I took it to CarMax, sold it, got rid of it. I refinanced her Volvo that she used to have, got a lower payment, and refinanced the house to get a lower mortgage. I did all these different things because I did not know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. In my mind, they was going to put me out of the military. I was going to be able to get me a job because I had a, a bachelor's degree, and I was going to be able to move forward with my life, right? Um, but that's just not what happened. I, I fast forward all the way to the court date. Um, I spent Thanksgiving with my family, right? That was the hardest and roughest Thanksgiving I think I ever spent. My wife, you know the way she cooked. Mm. <laughs> you know the way she really cooked. Though. Yeah. And I taught her how to cook. Thinking I was going to get one of them today, but that didn't <laughs> Nah, happen. nah. Not right now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so anyway, we cook, or she cooks, and um, I barely could eat that Thanksgiving. Um, we had Thanksgiving with our neighbors, um, and I just could barely eat. And so December 5th came. Um, I had sold my vehicle. One of my best friends in the military, um, Big Mac, Stevie McCall, um, he had let me borrow his vehicle to drive um, to work that day because I had to be there at like four something in the morning. And so um, we had already started prepping the kids to tell them if dad comes home today, because now I, I got to go what they call a court martial. They didn't just throw this out. They didn't just kick me out of the military. They actually took me to trial. Um, and so um, they gave me an opportunity to... First, they came back with a plea deal for eight years. And I was like, eight years? Are y'all crazy? Mm. Eight years of military confinement for this? Like, no. You know, we're not, no. No, 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 no. The money that I had got from TSP was a nice chunk of change. And so I went to see a civilian lawyer, got his opinion, and he wanted 26 grand to represent me. And I looked, and I had, I had a little bit over 26 grand. But I looked at the money that I had, and I looked at my situation and I said, you know what? As bad as enough as it is to send my wife and kids through this, I want them to take that money and have it in case things don't go the way that I want it to versus me taking the money, giving it to this lawyer, and things still don't go the way that I want it to. So it was a possibility that so it was a possibility that he was gonna take the twenty six grand and you still might get time, or he was gonna take the twenty six grand and you was gonna get probation kicked out or you know he's gonna be his exact words to me was it's gonna cost me 26 grand to take your case when i take your case i'm gonna flip this case upside down i'm very successful at what i do but what i cannot do is promise you that nothing will happen okay so with that uncertainty it was no i'm gonna give this money to my wife and kids i'm gonna roll the dice I looked at what I had been through in life thus far in my life, and God always worked it out. And so I took the trial defense lawyer who forgot my name during his closing <laughs> argument, and um, I rolled the dice. And so, um, so we, go to, we, we, we go back and talk to the trial defense lawyer and said, man, eight years, is, that's unreasonable, man. So, nah, I'm good. I'm, we'll go to trial, and we'll just take that. So I, I should have known that it was a game, but I, at this time, you're scared. You don't know what's yeah. going on. And yeah, so sure. now I'm standing in front of this 
tried a French lawyer. He said, well, hey, they offered you three years. I said, three years military confinement? Yeah, three years military confinement. I come home, I talk to my wife. She's like, hey, like, I don't want you to do no time, but hey, if that's what you got to do, um, then that's what you got to do. But All right, hold it right there. So, yeah. so hey, Miss Summers, so at this point in time, with three years on the table, how are you feeling? What's your what's your thought process, eh? Oh my God, I was all over the place. I was be. all over the place um, because we had not been too long bought a house. Um, we still had boxes in the garage that we hadn't even been able to put out. Mm-hmm. Um, so my income alone wasn't gonna be able to sustain to yeah. for us to even stay there. So. <clears throat> And then, like Kaniz had mentioned, it was like almost nine months that he yeah. looked at me every day and lied. So yeah. I didn't even know the truth yeah. until the end. Yeah. So with the three years, CJ was two, so my concern was Ayana. And I just wanted to make sure that they did not know. Yeah. I could sustain anything, but as long as my kids didn't know, yeah. I'm good to go. So at this point, I was like, hey, you got to do what's best for you. We're going to have to tough it out for three years. Okay. So you was not cool would be a bad word to say you was cool with him leaving for three years. But, you know, you could uh, understand, uh, see the other side of the three years, you know, not knowing what what would possibly happen, what could possibly happen during these three years. But hey, you is a hey, at a point in life where, okay, well, my kids are gonna be good. Yeah. Hey, we gonna not tell them everything. And, you know, we just gonna move forward from this point on, you know, with these three years or whatever. Yeah. And you I guess a hey, you came to an understanding, you came to a a God's plan to be like, okay, well, hey, of course I, I know you already, you prayed about it and hey, asked God to do what he do. And you was like, okay, well, God, hey, we're going to put this in your hands and hey, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, that was a rough time. And so we go to, we go to trial. Well, because I took the three-year plea deal, so the, the trial defense lawyer tells me one day they're going to offer you three, three years, talk to your spouse about it, talk to your family, see what you think about it. We need to let them know something in the next 72 hours. So I pray about it. Um, yeah, I'll take these three years. Eight to three, that's a big, significant yeah, well, difference. A um, but it's no guarantee, you know, that I got to do these three years because the judge can come back and say something different, but hey, no problem. So I said, yeah, man, I, I'll do the three years. So he says, okay, I'll get back with the uh, the solicitor in the military. It's called uh, um, the defense council or uh, basically, you know, they're on the defense side yeah. of the house. So uh, he talks to them, lets them know that I'm cool with the three years. And they said, well, here's the stipulation now. So now we'll give him the three-year plea deal right, as a, mm-hmm. as a maximum punishment, but here are the stipulations. Um, he has to agree to the way that we write the charges up, right? So it ain't just me saying, hey, 
you know, I stand up here and say that, you know, this is what happened. I don't get to tell my side of the story. I have to go with what they felt happened. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me, well, what are they saying that happened? Oh man, it was written like a horror scene. Oh, for real. It was written like a horror scene. I ain't going to go in detail on the podcast, um, but it was written like a horror scene. I'm talking about just the graphics, words such as thrust and forced and grabbed and pulled and all these different things like, nah, bro. The two females so, were taller than me, ex-softball players. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But it wasn't any, nothing about the situation was forced. It was all consensual. Yeah. The thing that hurt me the most was the fact that, one, I was the person that was in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And so my rank is what caused things to be written with force. And, oh, by the way, in the military... Oral sex, married or unmarried, is illegal and carries a life sentence. So I was facing all of this, and it was like, okay. So then they said, well, not only do we want to write it the way that we felt like it happened, but we want to see to it that we want you to register as a sex offender when you get out. And I was like, what? Go ahead. Register as a do what? So with that being said, with that being said, so... Did you have the opportunity to, like, read over all this stuff? Uh, are they just, they read it out to you in the courtroom or? Well, see, the, the trial, the, my trial counsel talked to me about this before everything. Because when you go in the courtroom, you got to be on yeah. P's and Q's because yeah. the judge can say at any time, hey, I don't accept this. Yeah. Something don't yeah. seem right. So he had told me that, and I was like, Register as a, he was like, but you, you may not have to. It was always, well, you may not have to because it's still up to the judge. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I went home and I talked to Devonna. Devonna was like, I'm okay with the three years, but it's registered for this sex offender stuff. Like, we ain't for that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, so fast forward to the court date. We go to the courtroom. Um, I got there early. Devonna eventually came. Uh, and I had escorts and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't see the females or whatever until they came up on the stand. But we had to go through something called a stipulation of facts. So it's no jury trial now because you took a plea deal. Mm-hmm. You just got the judge. The judge mm-hmm. makes a decision and finalizes on everything. So the females and my commanders and the people who were in charge of me got to go up there and speak about both the good and bad sides of me as a person. But then they allowed me to have a few witnesses and character witnesses from people in the military that know me. My wife got to speak. Um, but then as we go through all of that, like they let us go to lunch. So we all went to lunch and then we had to come back for the final decision of the judge. And so, um, you know, I'll rise, judge so-and-so, 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 and I'm standing up there and they was like on the charge of, um, uh, forcible sodomy, which is the oral sex part, we find you guilty. We knew they was going to find me guilty on everything mm-hmm. because I took the plea deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. If one was, uh, forcible oral sodomy, um, abusive sexual contact, and was it communicating a threat? Because when I told them, hey, we could really get in trouble for this if anybody found out, mm-hmm. they said because of my position, that was communicating yeah. a threat. Okay. So um, I think it was aggravated sexual contact because uh, uh, I think one of the females admitted to me touching her breasts or whatever the case may be. So anyway, long story short, the judge says, on all these charges, we find you guilty. And then again, the sentencing aspect of it, they allow my wife and all these people to speak on my behalf. 
And so the judge rendered out his sentence, and he sentenced me to 15 years. Mm. 15 years in military confinement. My knees buckled. Mm. I almost passed out. I turn around and I look at my wife, and she just dropped her head. What seemed like a very, very, very bad situation, which it was, was still protected by God because I had this plea deal in place. So he asked for the quantum, which was the letter that I had signed with the plea deal with the government. He said he had no knowledge of it. But my wife reminded me that, hey, the defense counsel and the trial counsel, they all went back there and talked to the judge before this happened. You don't think they shared anything? Mm -hmm. So long story short, he came back and said, well, Mr. Summers, I sentenced you to 15 years, but I see here in your quantum you had a plea deal for three years, so the maximum time that you will have to serve in military confinement at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, is three years. Um, well, they didn't mention the uh, prison name, because at first we didn't know where they was going to Yeah, they, 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 didn't, they yeah. didn't mention that, but they just... In confinement. In, in, in confinement. Yeah. Um, and so uh, from there, they released me. Well, not, not released me. From there, they took me immediately into custody. They took me to this back room and put me in a room, and then they let Devonda come in there and talk to me. My partner, um, Stevie, that I mentioned before, Big, Big Mac, he came back there, and we just prayed and stuff. And So doing all this, you're still praying? I'm still praying. I ain't never stopped praying. But never. even then, even then, Devonda looked me in my face with tears in her eyes and said, we're going to be okay. I'm still not going to leave you. I'm going to make sure that I see you through this process. Ain't no guarantee after that, mm. but I'm going to see you through this process. And so they stole money from me. That's another whole another story. Um, when they transported me from, I, I went to Lackland Air Force Base from there for a few days before they shipped me off to um, Fort Leavenworth. Um, and that's when my money got missing. But not one time did I ever not have any money on my books. My wife kept... Um, probably more money on my books than she had to see about the kids at the time. I was always able to call home, always able to order some form of a book. Um, I would do little eyes and ends to, I would always send her cards and letters, um, but I would always draw. I, I knew this one guy in confinement, um, prison confinement, whatever you want to call it, that could draw really well. So I would have him draw a picture for CJ of a wrestler or some type of superhero, send it home to him. He'd color it, send it back. Ayana, we were doing math problems. Uh, fill in the blank, all kind of stuff, just to stay community, uh, act, you know, active with the kids. Devonda flew out one time to come see me. Jamal and Jermaine came and saw me one time. Um, letters that I, I the, wrote back. Oh, you wrote me plenty of times. I wrote you I a letter. Pull them out, but I ain't I, gonna pull them out. I was gonna say, I know you ain't got that letter. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I ain't got. Um, it. I ain't got. It. But um, yeah. yeah. So I did out of the three out of the thirty six months that I was supposed to um, serve. I only ended, ended up doing 27 months. God's grace and favor again. Yes. Because um, I went out of my way. When I made it to minimum custody, um, these guys were complaining about cleaning and doing all this kind of stuff. And I went to the warden and said, listen, as long as you got a toothbrush and some soap and water, I clean whatever you want me to clean. I'm trying to get home to my family. Now, mind you, I got to make it very important to say this. I only asked God for one thing through that entire process. I didn't ask him to save my military career. I didn't ask him to save me financially. I didn't ask him to make this go away. I said, God, if you can do anything for me, I want to keep my family. That's what I want. I want my family. 
military career can be replaced, um, clothes can be replaced, status can be replaced. God, I just want my family. So that's why she's still here. That's what you just go tell me later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this. God did it, man. Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, if it's one person that I know my wife look up to, it's her dad. And she went to her dad and asked her dad. She told me, she said, Kenez, I went to dad and I talked to dad and I asked dad, what should I do? Because she said she was torn. And her dad told her, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things and all things else, how the scripture goes, he'll add unto you. He never told her to leave. He never told her to do anything but seek God first. And oh, trust me, I would call home sometimes now. She the MVP, but even the MVP have some bad days. Because yeah. I would call home and she would answer the phone. I'd be like, hey, babe, hey, talk to the kids. <laughs> talk to the kids. So I would talk to CJ, talk to Ayana, and uh, she'd get back on the phone. Okay, I'm going to talk to you later. And I'm like, you don't want to talk? Nah, I'll talk to you later. But she would say, I love you. But then that, that eventually stopped. The I love you eventually stopped. I would send cards. The letters from her would stop. But I always got a card every so often with $100, $200, or whatever the case may be, birthdays, holidays. She, she just stayed in that vein of, I'm not going to do you dirty like that. And even when I did come home, I came home a couple days before our like anniversary. It. I came home a few days before our anniversary, and um, when she picked me up for the first couple of days, she acted like, hey, we were honeymooning, which we were. We hadn't seen each other or been intimate or physical with each other and for so long. Um, and then she told me, she was like, look, I don't know where this is going to go, but I promise you that I would not leave you when you were at your lowest, and she didn't. And so I came home, and um, we quickly were thrown into an unfortunate situation that was going on within our family, but not with us. And so we never really got the opportunity to focus on um, healing right away. Um, but, uh, yeah, January 27, 2024, we'll celebrate 19 years of marriage of God. Let us see it. So... Um, so you know, with all that being said, the whole story, the background, <clears throat> and this this was the main purpose of the first podcast, just to give a background story of the executive producer, uh, the the host, a the MVP. Just give a background on their story what they've been through, what uh, Cornelius has been through, um, pretty much, uh, and they they still going. They still oh, yeah. going. And um, it, and it looks like a, they going to be going. If uh, the devil did all he could to try to a, tear this whole thing down, oh, tear yeah. the whole, a, tear everything up. As a matter of fact, a, he probably did tear it up, but a, with – Man, uh, a praying woman, God's will, a it's it's hard to get past all that. And you got yeah. he got a a praying family. A his mother is a prayer like no other. Uh, when you got people that's that's praying for you and that's on your team, a you gonna come out on top. And oh, yeah. and right now, a uh, they winning. I know a God is a type of God that takes a if he feel like you need to be humble. Hey, he'll take everything from you. I okay. mean, hey, when I say everything, 
man, this dude pretty much ain't had it all. Had it all. And hey, God just saw fit to hey, break him down, take everything he had. And hey, one thing about God, hey, if he take it from you, hey, he can give it back to you. Oh, and yeah. just, just me knowing him and his wife and kids, hey, he has given it back to him tenfold. Hey, they, you know, they're in a good spot now as far as uh, living, family. It's always a family atmosphere here. Um, even though everything they've been through, hey, if, if he wasn't telling this story, it's probably no way you would know this story. It's no way you would believe this story. Nice. Hey, just by him just telling it or whatever. Hey. And that's that's part of the reason why I wanted the first episode to kind of shed some light on it because just in my my journey in barbering, right? Me getting my barber's license and working in the community. And that's if I can be honest with you, my wife didn't want to come back home. She wanted to uh go to the Columbia area, Blythewood area. She wanted to go back there. But we also had my father-in-law, like I said, my mother-in-law passed in 2015, shortly after I came home. And we wanted to be close enough to my father-in-law to where if and when he needed us to step in, which we have on many occasions, we would be close by. And I knew the love that my wife had for her father. So, you know, there was a discussion of where we want to go. And I said, well... I think it's best that I go back to the community that I grew up in because hopefully the people who know me will treat me as they have known me and not based on some of the mistakes that I have experienced and some of the things that I've went through. But in any situation, hmm. you're going to have people who yes. think they know the story yes. and think they have an idea of what happened. And the only thing they need is just a, a small, the same amount of faith you got to have as far as a mustard seed. That's all they need as far as the story so they can make it what they want it to be. And so um, coming back to this community has been both a gift and a curse, if I can be honest with you. Yes. But at the same time, when you have supportive people in your corner, when you have a spouse like I have, and some people do, some people don't, but I'm talking about my spouse. Mm -hmm. When you have someone that they can beat you up, but can't nobody else beat yeah. you up, hey, yeah. you can make it through whatever come your way. And so um, that and With was, that being said, man, I was, I was just thinking with... Uh, you saying your spouse didn't want to come back to this this area, this community, this town, no surrounding area, uh, move 30, 40 minutes away because in my mind, I probably would be thinking the same way she was thinking. Uh, so we're going to come back here, and the first thing that's going to be said is, why is she with him? Hey, he done did this, 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 and this. Yeah. Not knowing the whole story, not knowing what happened, how it happened, why it happened. Hey, and... But God fearing, praying, loving wife, hey, she could yeah. get past all that, you know. And y'all probably made the decision together to come back, hey, together. And it's not only just it wasn't only just your decision, but hey, yeah. hey, look at God now. Share some insight on all of this. <laughs> yeah, truthfully. <laughs> like this is this is Yeah. So um Everything that was said is definitely true. It was not easy to come back no to way. Uh, your hometown or even in Saluda. It was hard for us um, because when, the, like, like Kanye said, the whole sex offender thing. It is is a is a 
I mean, it is what it is. It's a man-made by law. You have to follow. Mm -hmm. But sometimes with the law, it's not always, it doesn't do you justice. And um, what I saw about the military, and I'm going to be very careful because I still work for the military, (laughs) but I'm not a soldier. As long as you're doing what they want you to do and you being a a goody boy, whatever, they're all for you. That's everywhere. But when you make a mistake, I mean, they came, they came for Kanias and, but at the same time, like Kanias said, he was battling different things. He was arrogant. He was very, um, cocky. Not humble. And not humble at all. And I tell anybody when it comes to spouse or um, you better be very careful when you get to praying. (laughs) Be very careful. Make sure your prayers are very pacific because in the back end, um, what Kanez didn't know is that his wife was praying that my husband be saved and my husband be on fire for God and that he be all in and um, God, you know, just have your way. Be very careful. Um, because I did not realize that in God's having his way, that we was going to go on the journey that we went on. Yeah. And so that was the reason, another reason why um, it came to where, okay, can I just leave this man? Because I saw, um, before he even went into the military, like I said, I saw his intelligence. I saw his um, hustle. I saw what he is now and what he's becoming. So why am I going to let somebody else come in <laughs> and get and grab yeah. all the stuff that I've been in lately? Yeah. Yes, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> so um ain't nobody want Gator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah, so yeah. it has been um it's it's been a journey. It's not an easy thing to walk for. This is not for everybody. Um it's not for the week. But it, it ain't for no the week. No marriage is, man. Yeah. No marriage at all. Um, but the attacks that Kanez have had, you know, when it comes to the sex offender. Oh, you just a sex offender. You messing with little kids or whatever. Um, in order to join the military, you got to be of age. No children can join the military. So yeah, I always like correct. to put that disclaimer out there. He ain't messing with nobody little kid, okay? Yeah. Um. And just to realize that, you know, we all make mistakes. Everybody. Three, <laughs> we all three make mistakes. Three mistake away from being That's locked right. Up. And yeah. um, just like I made mistakes, you know, um, it was some things that I done that if I was in the military, I would probably got confinement as well, you know, um, if we look at it in that way. So um, it's just something that, you know, God just chose for Kanez to walk through. And mm-hmm. with that, like he got a partner for life, so yeah. he don't have to worry about walking this journey alone. That I'm gonna be right here behind him, um, supporting him. Um, whether you got a label or not, that's not who you are. God picked the strong. That's right. Okay. And so, um, <clears throat> that was the whole purpose of him when he said he wanted to do a podcast. I'm like, okay, what's? Hey, you can do it. Um, and no matter what mistakes anybody has made in life it does not define who you are you keep going and you never give up oh yeah and i mean speaking of everything that you all both have said and um what i try to teach my kids and instill in them um you know there's some controversy going on right now with some comedians uh, between cat williams and 
and all these different comedians, but as much as some people do or don't agree with Steve Harvey, he 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 said something while I was going through my my journey and I read some of his books, you know, and I ain't here to judge anybody because I we all got a past. But he said something one time. He said, I am who I am. I was who I was, and I'm, I'm, and I'm okay with both people. That doesn't make me bipolar, but I know what I used to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I know who I am now, what mm-hmm. I stand for now, and I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I don't feel ashamed for looking at my past and saying, you know what? That's who I was. I don't go around bragging about it, and I ain't finna go to my wife's side of the bathroom and say, babe, you remember when I did it? No, I'm not gonna do that. But if I have an opportunity to talk to someone a young man especially, and express to like, hey, bro, how you moving is not how you should move. This is what it can lead to. And primarily my son. I got a son who's got my same name. And so I try to teach him now that something Devonda told me when I was incarcerated on a phone call one time. She said, Kniz, after your last name, only thing you got is your character. When mm. your character speaks for itself, don't mm. interrupt it. So I try to tell him, like, look, son, I apologize to him from time to time because he's he's received some ignorance. You know, one time somebody took a picture of my little photo online and sent it to him, and he didn't want to say anything to me about it. And I just sat down and had that real conversation with him, like, hey, son, you're not your dad. Like, if anybody say anything to you about what I've been through, you say, okay, that's my dad. What did I do? What have I done? You got to make your own name and, and stuff in this world. Although we had the same name, what separates us is senior and junior. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I he I think he's handled it like a true champ. Um, I grew up being teased about my dad and some of his bad habits and stuff, um, but it made me who I am today. And so, you know, with this whole situation, as we said, doing it with the Purpose Podcast is about promoting positivity. We want to make sure that we share wisdom and knowledge and experience. Um, and we just want to add quality to somebody's life. We want to make sure that whatever it is that you want to do, if we have some tools or some resources to put it out there for you, we want to help you. We want to bring real life situations that people might be afraid to talk about or afraid to challenge themselves with. We want to bring it to you, whether it be from real estate, health, finances, um, just life. It ain't all going to be so serious all the time. We're going to laugh and joke. We're going to have some people on here that um, hope to be famous. I pray that um, anybody who's willing to come on, um, we'll have the website up here soon where you can go on and make a recommendation of what you would like to see. Um, Because at the end of the day, uh, I think the Bible says, our people perish for a lack of knowledge. Um, If I knew what I knew now, Back then, maybe I wouldn't have been through that situation. However, if I wouldn't have been through that situation, I wouldn't have the knowledge that I have now. So I can't go back and relive the past. I can't, um, I'm not asking for anybody's forgiveness, you know, because the only person that has to forgive me is God. Yes. I want my wife's forgiveness. But if she chooses not to, God has forgiven me. And so, um, but from that, I try to do things a little bit differently now, a lot differently. Yes. And I try to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I do it with a purpose. For those yep. who sat in my chair and allowed me to cut their hair or their child's hair, I try to do it with a purpose. If there's some knowledge that I have that I can share with someone, I try to do it with a purpose. And I know my co- co-pilot over here, he's the exact same way. Um, but we're on the scene now. Yeah. We here. I got... I got two final statements. 
one. He said about his name, uh, Cornelius Summers Sr., Cornelius Summers Jr. It's only one name that matters, and that's Jesus. That's it. My second statement would be, everyone that's saying that, uh, like Miss Summers said about being a sex offender and messing with kids and all this stuff or whatever, hey, he mentioned it about being, doing what he did, how he did it. Hey, just be glad that he's changed and he's not Gator, a little cutty. <laughs> That's who you don't want. You want Cornelius Summer Senior. Exactly. And with that being said, man, hey, great podcast, great first show. Hey, looking forward to many more. And hey, with that, any final statements, Miss Summer? None. None. I wish you guys the best, and I'm so proud of y'all for finally getting started. Hey. That's a sweet, sexy voice. <laughs> yeah. Hey. We appreciate y'all, man. As like, they say subscribe, give comedy jam. Follow. Thank y'all for coming out. God, God bless. bless. Good, Good night. night. Peace.